Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I'd love to claim... uh, And well, no, I wrote this one. I didn't write any of the other ones. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to claim it, especially the good ones. Awesome. Hey, guys, it's so good uh, to be this morning. My name's Andy. I have the privilege of being part of the staff team at Ivy, and um, th- this is this is kind of this is where I live. This, 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 this series for me has been just like the, my playground, the place where I'm so familiar and where I have so much joy and, and, and love. And um, we're going we're gonna to be talking today about, about singing, about the way that actually to sing, what that actually does in our heart, what that actually achieves for us. Um, I mean, I'm excited about it because have you noticed, have you, I don't know if you noticed this, in church you will uh, you'll come in. There'll be probably somebody leading worship. There'll probably be somebody doing a talk. There'll be somebody hosting, welcoming you. And uh, there'll be somebody who will kind of do the offering and maybe tell you some of the cool things that you can get involved with. And then somebody uh, like hosting a bit of a ministry time at the end. Have you noticed that? Kind of happens. It's not, it's not by accident. Just, just in case you wondered, you know, you know we're going to make it up as we go along. Maybe sometimes it feels like that. But actually, there's something really deliberate about that because we're not, this is the thing, we're not the kind of church, and there's nothing wrong with this because I believe in the expansive sense of church is that we need all kinds of different churches. We need Radio 1 churches, Radio 2 churches, 5 Live churches. We need there to be this kind of diversity, but we, we also need to be, understand who we are. And that's really important. And we're not the kind of church that has set it up so that the experience of church is more about being absolved of sin, coming in and, you know, regardless of what you did in your week, it's okay because Sunday I'll come and some dude in a frock will go, it's okay, bless you, and you're all right again for another week. And you go back and then start doing stuff. And it kind of doesn't matter what you do because you know on a Sunday you get to go and be made all right with God again. We're not that kind of church. Just want to make that clear. Because... We're the kind of church where, um, you know, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I might need that, actually. It kind of sounds quite good, you know. Uh, and, uh, but um, the reality is, if you think you need that, well, you've got it. Because you have a high priest in Jesus Christ, and he has made a way for you. And so the focus for us as a community is not that we like, oh, we kind of just kind of budge along in the week and then get a fix on the weekend. The idea of this community is that you get inspired to step out in a way with greater power, with greater impetus, with greater effect, with greater um, uh, sense of purpose in the things that you are doing. Because God has called you. God has called you, that you, you don't have to wait for a dude in a frock because you are the dude in a frock, in a sense, because we're a high, woo, you know, we, you know, you are a high priest, you're someone that's called to represent God to people because, you know, I talked about the ministry time, we talk, we use these words in church, don't we, but do you know what that means, do you know what that really means? To minister is to make something happen, you know, to have a ministry time means you are literally taking the content of heaven and making it a reality now in our experience. We're all ministers. We're all people that take heaven and make it a reality where we are. And when we're having ministry times, because we want to take the truth of the word that we've just sat in and activate it in our life. Not just go in our head, hmm, that's a good nice idea, I like that. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, great. Um, it's got to be like, whoa, how am I going to live and walk differently? 
as a result of this truth. You know, constantly we're in this space, and I want you to, I want you to notice what's happening as we gather, because as we sing together, you know, even things like, I'm no longer a slave to sin, I'm a child of God. We are binding the old mindset, no longer a slave to sin, no longer an orphan, I've been adopted into a family, and I'm a child of God. Does that make sense? We are constantly Binding what we don't need and loosing what God has got for us. This is the kind of process. That's why church is cool. Because we get to do that together and something is released. And that's why songs are so important. Because they're part of building that culture. All of the things that you've experienced this morning are part of us building a culture that is Ivy Church. That we believe in welcome. That we believe in the presence of God. That we believe in the word of God. That we believe in community and standing up for the broken and being a voice for the hopeless. We believe that this is the kind of church that we are and this is who we're called to be. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? So that's what this is all about. And the the more we do that, this reconfiguration, week in, week out, refocusing, reconnecting, we begin to be able to step out in a fuller way, in a way that makes you feel like, oh no, I've not done very well. And you feel like you're on the bench. We know you've had a bad week. You've just made bad choices. Stuff's happened. You've been grumpy. You know, you've, you know, and and I feel like often for me, parenting has been the number one thing in life that has made me feel more incompetent than anything else in the world. There's nothing like a grumpy six-year-old to make you feel like a total douchebag and completely powerless, you know? But actually, God helps us by enabling us to be part of a community where we get to reconfigure. And you know what? We can do this. We can step out. We can live in victory. We can see things broken and see then the power of God released in our life to, to be able to walk differently, to walk with strength, with confidence, with compassion, with love, and to see this world changed. Is that cool? That's just the introduction. In fact, that's not even the introduction. That's nowhere in my notes. <laughs> Boom! And we're going to talk about... <laughs> we're in the series of uh, the Summer of Songs. I love it. Psalms is what we're talking about today, and particularly Psalm 92. Psalms are brilliant because they give us a window into the human condition, the mess, the turmoil, the angst. You know, it's like, it's all there, isn't it? And being chased and stuff's happening and it's scary and bad people are after me and all that kind of stuff. But what it does is it it helps us to realize that the Bible is real. It's not polished. It's not like, hey, you can be part of our community if you're sorted. You know, that is not the church. You know, we exist for the people outside um, but recognizing that even if you're inside, you've probably not got it all sorted, and that's okay. That's okay. But God has got more for us, and that's why we're leaning in, isn't it? And um, Eugene Peterson, in his book, As Kingfishers Catch Fire, beautiful book, I really recommend it, he tells us that the Psalms aren't just prose, in other words, a language that's used to describe like something or somebody, and it's not just a narrative. The Psalms are poetry. They're poetry, a language used in such a way to draw us into participation. It's a language that's used with personal integrity because it's a conversation that's born born out of somebody's personal experience. It's not just religion. They're like, oh yeah, God's like this because I heard it somewhere. It's like, God's like this because I've experienced it. I'm living in the middle of it, you know? And that's why the Psalms are so beautiful because they have that integrity of that personal experience. Poems tell us what our eyes blurred with too much gawking and our ears dulled with too much chatter miss around and within us. And this, 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 when we sing, they cause this kind of pause, this sailor, this moment where we're like, ah, hang on, there's all this stuff that's going on, but do you know what? Here's my plumb line, here's my foundation, here's my anchor, this is who God is. That's why we sing songs in church. 
It's a big part of why we sing songs in church. Um, so Psalms, they're, they're not really there to teach us about God, which sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? It's a bit awkward. Actually, I really believe that the Psalms are there to train us in order to respond to him, to connect with him, to have a conversation with him. This isn't religion, this is relationship. So let's read it, shall we? Why don't we stand? Do you want to read it together? Does that get a bit awkward or we're happy to read that together? I feel like we should read together because the word's good, isn't it? It's a light to our path. Come on. Right, we're going to read it. We're going to start at the beginning because that's a good place to start. It's a, it's a, um, I don't know how to, I want us to get, look into it. Don't, don't shy back from this. Don't, and if, someone, if you go out of time, it's okay. You can get back in time. And if you say a wrong word, as long as it's not heretical, everything will be fine. Okay, here we go. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever, for behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish, all evildoers shall be scattered. Pick it up. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of scrap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. Come on, give that a clap. Word of God. It's amazing, isn't it? Come on. Okay, grab your seat. Grab your seat. Music transports us. Have you noticed that? Music transports us. It's like, it's like, it's like it, it takes us and in, in, instantaneously takes us back to a place. I remember when, I remember the song, you know, uh, um, I love you, baby, and if it's quite all right, I love you, baby, through every lonely night, I love you, baby. Come on. Trust in me when I say, bit 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 Oh, pretty baby, <laughs> down I pray, oh, pretty baby, come on, now that I found you stay, so let me love you, baby, let me love you. Okay, that was well done, you sound, you sound awesome. Um, 
That was our first dance when Lucy and I got married. That was our first dance. I love you. And I was there looking into her beautiful eyes. I was thinking, holy cow, I've punched above my weight, haven't I? You know, it's all done now, though, on the dotted line. <laughs> hey. And, um, and I remember that. I remember that moment. I can, I can be try, I hear that song and I'm transported into that moment. Also, that's the song. When Macy would, man, she did not sleep. She was just, you know, the kind of kid where you, you're rocking them, it's three in the morning and you're trying to get them to sleep. She, I, I did that so much. I remember being in Tesco and like, setting the fruit and veg while I was in the yard. Have you done that? Oh my goodness. Anyway, and I remember trying to settle her and she wouldn't, and you'd, and you'd get her just, she'd be quiet and you'd go to sit down and somehow she knew, knew that you sat down like, oh no, no, I'm back up again. And, and this was, this was the kind of rhythm. So I, I would sing, oh, yeah, you're just too good to be true. Can't say my, I, you know, I was singing to her and, and that was the song that I would sing to her in the middle of the night, all through the night. That's the song I would sing to her. I love you, baby. And so I have that memory as well, that intimacy and that connection and just that holding my little one in my arms. Also, when she was a bit older, she, I mean, not really, some of her, one of her first words was baby. Because I would sing to her and I'd go, I love you. She'd go, baby! <laughs> and if it's quite all right, I love you, baby! And this is kind of, and that was, and so I've got this, this, this song transports me. This song, song, it connects me back to a place. I remember, you know, the chicken song, got a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a shake, yep, yeah. mm, da, 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 da. You know that one? That really, I'm literally in a world of beige when I hear that song because it's true. Because every, every Christmas we'd go to my nan's house, which was basically beige, and all the men would be wearing beige, and um, everything was beige. And um, every, every, every Christmas my nan would put this on the record player. She got a little record player, and a little bit of this, and a little, and she had this hat. You know those, you know those. Those uh, light shades from IKEA, you get the paper things that kind of go, you connect it together, poof and ha. Ah. Yeah? We, she, she, she got one of those, but it, it had like a, it was like a, it was weird, it had like extra bits, it, and it was a chicken. So you open it up, it was like, poof. It's a chicken. And she'd bring it, she'd put it on her head. <laughs> I love my nan. Put it on the head, and she's like this, going around, trying to get people to that. My dad, my dad is, is an amazing guy. He's a little bit like the grumpy dwarf out of Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm, I'm dancing, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting up. You know, I've got a beard. And but she'd get him up, and then everyone would go, hey, go on, Ken. And he'd go, oh, oh, a little bit of this. And I have this kind of memory. So whenever I hear that song, it's not just an awful song. It's, for me, it's like, it's Christmas. It's family, it's connection, it's fun. And, 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 and the songs transport us and they connect us to something deeper, to something greater, to something more. It's not just singing a song. We literally, it's like it's a signpost. You know, it's, 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 like, a, it's like a photo album. It's like a DeLorean. You know, it takes us to places and connects us with places um, that, that have been. And, and imagine that in the spiritual realm. That as we sing these songs, we're connecting to the spiritual places of heaven, to the full context of heaven, that as we sing it, what God intended to be poured out from heaven into us is released as we connect to that song. It's like a gigantic porthole to the throne room of God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? That is, keep your hand in, isn't that, that is, again, another huge reason why we sing songs. These songs, these signposts, these DeLoreans are for us what the old, old people with large beards would call Ebenezer's. Ebenezer is an old word that literally means a stone of help or a stone of remembrance, something solid, something concrete that reminds us, hey, this is where God spoke to us and this is what he said. 
Okay, this is our, this is, this is our Ebenezer. Um, and uh, it's, what's cool about it is it means that when, when we go a little bit off-piste, a little bit off-map, it means that we've got something that is firm and secure that we can revisit and then reaffirm what God has done and what God has said. So we're never lost. We're never lost. For Jacob, in uh, Genesis 28, verse 18, um, you've got this um, stone that he lay on. He had this encounter of God, of heaven opening, the ladder, the angels ascending and descending. In verse 22, it said, This stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And he calls that place Bethel, which literally means the house of God, the gate of heaven. Did you, does that sound like anybody that's sitting next to you right now, the house of God? Because who are you? You are the, te- you're the, you're the, you're the temple, you're the tabernacle, you're the place. We're literally where heaven meets earth. Where, and when heaven meets earth, you have covenant and promise, and you have commission to go. Every single time in the Bible, if you look at it, I, I don't want, that's a totally different sermon, but just look at it. Look at Eden. You know, look at the, even the, the, the ark on the waters of heaven meeting earth, and this, this covenant to Noah to go out and to, to repopulate and to define this planet as something that belongs to God. You know, look at through the, the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus Christ, the church. We're the place, the, the skunu, the, the, the tent where the Shekinah, the dwelling presence of God, literally has chosen to, to reside. He's decided that your heart is a good place to make home. Do you know that this morning? Isn't it cool? So, this is why we sing, because we have these Ebenezers, which enable us to sing in such a way that it helps our heart to remember who he is and what he's done. To remember who he is and what he's done. So like the psalmist in 92, as we just read, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness by night. We've got to find a rhythm of remembrance. you know. And as we engage in this ancient practice of singing the kind of songs that, that help us to remember who is and what I've done, we're weaving his love and his faithfulness into the very fabric of our lives. But here's the problem. I am flipping forgetful. Have you, do you find that? Sunday's great, isn't it? Church is top. And I feel like, woohoo! And have you, have you ever had like your Sunday face? Like, yeah, hi, yeah, yeah, yeah it's great, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, two thumbs fresh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's the child of God? This guy, you know? He's like, woohoo! And then you get in his, and, and there's that face, and then there's the face that's like, you're just trying to get the kids dressed in the morning for school, and we do it every day, and it's like, how do they not know that it's like putting your shoes on is a prerequisite for exiting the house? Come on, you know? And so everything, and this face happens, you know? Or you get to the office, and you sit down, and you see your to-do list, or if, if it's me, you open your Trello board, and you go, <gasps> you know? And the face is very different, isn't it? To the like, ah, oh, yeah, great, yeah, fantastic, yeah, everything's great, and I'm a church, and I'm living in the victory, you know? And we do. We have the we have the church faith because church is good and it evokes that in us and it calls that out of us. But we very very quickly forget and we get to the next day and it's like, poof, ugh, stress the mundane things, isn't it? It's the mundane things and the trudge or even the things that break us that then cause us to basically partner and permission with the lie. Yeah, those experiences cause us cause us to partner and to permission the lie. And there's a contrast, isn't there? So if you're anything like me, you probably struggle with that as well. Uh, and all too quickly, we find ourselves singing the songs that come out of anxiety. We sing the songs that come out of comparison and lack and loneliness. The songs that come out of feeling like we've not been seen, pain and loss. And then the problem is, the more we sing these songs, it's what I talked about at the beginning. It's the culture building. It builds a culture in us that defines us. And it starts to define our mindsets 
starts to, which then starts to define our actions and that, which then starts to define just how we feel about life and about stuff. You know, Psalms aren't kind of like the songs that we sing, essentially, in that they don't tend to have like rhyming words, but what they do have is rhyming concepts, you know, ideas that help bring an emphasis for what the psalmist is trying to say. Now, two really, there's two really good questions you can ask when reading the Bible. One is, what, what, does, what, does, the, what does the author really want to say? That's the elocutionary force, if you want to know. Um, but also, what, do, what does the author really want you to do? That's the illocutionary force. You know, what, do you want to, what does he want to say, and what does he want you to do? And in this, what we can see is the psalmist setting it up. Say, look, isn't it great to worship God? Isn't it awesome to worship God? But hey, check this out. That we get to respond and find a rhythm of worship... Um, but do you know what? If you're stupid, <laughs> you'll, you'll, go for, you'll go for that kind of place of unrighteousness. And, and though you may flourish for a moment, it, you're going to get destroyed. But if you're right, you find that place of righteousness, then you have a place where you flourish, but not just for a moment, but actually with longevity. And so let's just read it just to kind of highlight this. And this is where the psalm, I believe this is like a real focus for the psalm, because this is where his rhyming concept is in the psalm. It says this in verse 6, The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evil do is flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. And jump forward to verse 12 to 14, it says this, The righteous flourish like the palm tree. They grow like the cedar in Lebanon, and they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. So the wicked, the wicked they might get a quick win, um, but then they end in destruction. This is literally stupidity to sing the song of the wicked. Um, but if you're going for the quick fish, sorry, not the fish. There's no fish today. Going for the quick fix. Um, that actually is what the guy is saying is foolishness, but the righteousness flows in such a way that they are planted, they have longevity, they bear fruit in old age. Anyone get a root root for that one? Anyone, anybody here riding the silver fox want a bit of flourishment? And, 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 yeah? Anybody want that? Boom, come on. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with you. He's not even begun. Come on, there's so much more for you. Best is yet to come. Everyone give a Y5 to older people. <laughs> Seriously, I really believe this. I really believe this. Let's be a church that fosters a culture of honor to the older generations because do you know what? They've been through stuff. They've seen the ebb and flow of the presence of God in and through the church. And they love you. So just get a hold of them. Look in their face. Grab their face. It won't be awkward, honestly. <laughs> Grab their face. <laughs> and squeeze out the wisdom. Genuinely, I want to see face squeezing after the service. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what the psalmist is trying to get us to do, he's trying to get us to decide something. He's trying to say, do you want to be stupid or do you want to have longevity? Should we do a straw poll? Who wants to be stupid? Not me, then I'm going to put my hand up. Who wants longevity and who wants to flourish and flourish in a way that lasts right the way through and I believe into eternity that flourishing goes, yeah? Who wants that? Okay, um, I need to have a little. I'm gonna do the time. Shabba. Okay. Here we go. I want to give you a little music lesson. Is that okay? Yeah. Are you happy with that? 
This is a guitar. No, you <laughs> We got some vibe on this. Okay, so all, a lot of music, in fact, all music is based around the premise of call and response and um, tension and resolve. So it's like, oh, everything's awful. Ah, oh, but it's okay now. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so, so, the, so the whole the whole thing is based around that. And um, and so when we're singing songs, it's not just the lyrics that we're singing. It's also like the kind of, oh, you know, what we're we feeling. It's like, oh no, it's all going wrong. But maybe it'd be okay. <laughs> I lost my dog down the park, but I don't like dogs anyway. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So that's the kind of the kind of feel. And then we might be, um, oh, we can push up. Cause that's the six. That's the six, which is the relative minor, and this is the one, which is the the one. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you have the four, which is like, oh, maybe something, maybe something good's gonna happen. And then you get the five, like, oh, oh, maybe it will. Yeah. But oh, and then you, yeah, maybe everything's gonna be all right. Oh, yeah. Maybe everything's gonna be okay. Oh, it's not. This is how music works. It's this tension and then resolve, tension and then resolve the whole time. And um, and this, and what <laughs> this is honestly, this is gonna, not, not, not going to be as tenuous as it sounds. And th this is the is the basic construct of of the Bible, of the canon scripture. You've got the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which is God's story of creation and salvation. You know, leading the people out of Israel into the, all the way through into the promised land. So this is the Torah, the story of God. Isn't he, wow. Like, isn't he fake? Isn't he, he's very creative. You know, good with Pritch stick and things like that. Very, very cool. But also, he's the one, he, when it all fell apart, he put it all back together again. He made a way. He made a way. He made a way. And then you've got the, the Psalms. You've actually, got, you've actually got the wisdom books. There's five wisdom books. And they're like, whoa, look at the symmetry in that. It's cool. We've talked about this before, haven't we? But you, in the Psalms, even, the Psalms are broken down into five sections as well. And you have this human response to the old, old story of God. Isn't that cool? So we get to hear God's story. And even when we're like, oh, no, it's all gone wrong. Isn't it? oh, it's all minor. It's like, oh, no. You know? It's okay because you know what we've got God, and we can we can we can see who He is. And so the key to psalming, in a sense, is that you always begin with God because He had the first word anyway, didn't He? He had the first word. Um, I've lost where I am. There we go. Yeah. So in, in Psalm 33, verse 9, it says, "For He spoke, and it came to be; He commanded, and it stood firm." So He He has the first word. And so as we enter the Psalms, it's actually a it's a culture of listening, not of speaking. Because we listen to his, his song. We listen to his words, his faithfulness, that he is faithful and he is loving, he is compassionate, he is true. He is steadfast and he is ancient. He's proven himself. He's proven his faithfulness. What I love about music as well is that the relative minor, did you know, has exactly the same notes as the first chord, the major chord. Exactly the same notes. All that's different is this root note. Yeah, so we watch when I change my fingers. There's God's story. Sometimes this feels like our story. All I've done is change the root note from the E to the G. And we've got to recognize sometimes right in the middle of all our mess is actually everything that we need to know to see the breakthrough. Does that make sense? 
right in the middle of the hard stuff, right in the middle of everything falling apart, when everything feels like there's, there's no way out, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. We know that everything we need, everything we need is already there because we've got Him. And our focus is in the root. What are we rooted in? Are we rooted in the pain? Are we rooted in the loss? Are we rooted in the hopelessness? Or are we rooted in Him? What is our root? What is our root note? Yeah, does that make sense? Music, I think it tells the story of God so powerfully. But, and that is what psalming does. That is what psalming is all about. Does that make sense? Awesome. So we're nearly done. We're nearly done. So we've got to listen first. I, I can't un, un, underline this enough. Because we, we waste, don't we waste a lot of time complaining and moaning and stressing? Don't we waste a lot of time letting our kind of, you know the inner voice that like someone's offended you and so you spend hours lying in bed at night playing it through and say, well, I'm going to say this to them. And I can't believe they said this because I'm going to tell them exactly what I think. And then you see them next day, hi. <laughs> <laughs> kind of awkward walk off. You know, and God, God has called us. God has called us to not waste time by having this inner monologue of pain and of blame and all that kind of stuff. He's actually called us to say and stop and go, you know, what? I'm going to listen to you first, Jesus. What do you say about who I am? What do you say about who I am? Now, we're left with this choice. Do we want to be stupid? Do we want to flourish? Um, and what's hard is often we're not at the end of the story, are we? We don't get to see the fruition of everything working out all the time. We're in the middle of the story. You know, that um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, it talks about how Abraham, he went from here, and he went on towards the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Beth Bethel on his west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Now here's a guy who's learning what it means to worship in the in-between. Because it's in between Bethel, that as we know we said before, is the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. Now what does Ai mean? Ai literally means rubble, broken, desolate. So he is worshipping between the brokenness and the healing, yeah? He's, he's worshipping between the lack and the provision. And he's found a space to worship in the in-between. This is, there's a, there's a Hebrew word for this. It's, it's a type of worship that's called ta-da. That's how I remember it. Ta-da. Um, everyone say ta-da. Ta oh, with a bit of energy. Ta-da. And this literally means to extend the hand in adoration and to choose to worship regardless of the situation. Have you ever been in that place? Yep. Come on, God, I need you. Come on, God, I just I need that breakthrough. But I'm gonna I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna recognize you for who you are, knowing that as I do that, I get to see who I am in you. That I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. You've got everything that I need, every good and perfect gift for this situation. Everything that I need is in you. Have you ever been in that place? And this is what Abraham's doing. He's worshipping between Bethel and Ai. Now there's an interesting thing as well about this, that um, there's a symbolism of, of east to west in scripture. You know, when, where, did, where, where did Adam and Eve get kicked out towards? To the east. They get kicked out of the garden because they've sinned and the broken creation, which is a little bit awkward, and they get kicked out to the east. Um, What's super cool is that both in the tabernacle and the temple, to enter back into the Holy of Holies, you would always have to go from east 
to west, yeah? So as you went through the courts, through um, where the brazen altar is, and then the washing of the hands of the bowl, and then you go into the holy place, and you've got the, um, the, the table of the showbread, the symbolism of fellowship, you've got the, the, um, the altar of incense, this, this symbol of the presence of God, and you've got the menorah, this thing that's, that's symbolizing the light of God, and the tree in the garden, and you've got this big curtain with, that's got this dock-off cherubim embroidered into it, and you go literally like the kind of flaming torch angel, the gate of the you yeah. It's like Gandalf, you shall not pass, you know. And yet God says, Come back in. And he made a way for them to come back from the east, from Ai, from the brokenness, from the desolation, back to the west, to Eden, to connection, to relationship, to fellowship, to covenant, and to commission. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Um not only that, and here's where it gets really cool as well. Um, in Joshua 3, it tells a story of how they actually step into the promised land. So this is the fruition of Abraham's covenant, the land that was promised to them, and they step through. And you can imagine, can't you? They've, they've, they've literally gone through this massive uh, journey. Um, they're standing at the, the, the water's edge. They're literally standing on the edge of promise. You know, generations of promise of hardship of slavery, of chasing, of wilderness, of mountains, of tablets, of fire, golden calves, and snakes, and disease, and manna, and water, and you're on the last leg of your journey, and pants, there's no bridge. <laughs> you know, what do you do? Um, it describes how, as, as they stepped into the water, the Ark of the Covenant, the water's piled up in this town, further up the river, called Adam. Yeah, and the water's piled up. And what you've got, they didn't know this is what happening. But as they were standing at the water thinking, what on earth are we going to do? Something had already happened upstream. There'd been an upstream miracle that they couldn't see where they were standing, but that had happened, which meant that as the waters backed up, it cleared the way for them and they stepped through on dry land into the promises of God. There is an upstream miracle. Who needs an upstream miracle? Who needs to know today, right now, stand up if this is you. Come on, stand up. You've got to own it. Stand up if this is you. Own it. If you need an upstream miracle to be happening right now as we're sitting in this place in the presence of the Almighty to know that there's an upstream miracle that is happening, that is available to you, that is God is working on your behalf even in the secret place. God is working on your behalf upstream where you can't see it but that will make the difference for you where you stand today. That you, through all the, the, the journey and the history that you've been on, the ups and downs as I talked about, for them it was like the, the, the slavery, the liberation, the the kind of arguments in the desert that people fall in and, and dying beside them. But actually, when they get to the point of breakthrough, it's like, what's going what's to really make this happen for us? Because unless this, this, this river gets broken through, nothing's, nothing's different. We're still in the wilderness. We're still in the lost place. But God has got a breakthrough for you this morning. If you want that, to, if you need that, you know what it is for you. Maybe just if you're standing with someone, put a hand on them this morning. God, we believe that you're, gonna, you're, you're bringing an upstream miracle for us. We believe that you are bringing breakthrough into every situation. And this morning, God, we choose to sing your song. We choose to listen to your words. We choose to stand in your truth because we believe that as we do that, we will see the faith that we need to step forward into the promises that you've given us. We believe that we will see the way being made for us in our finances, the way being made for us in our relationships, 
relationships, the way being made for us in our mental health, the way being made for us in our healing. Father God, we need you this morning and we recognize you for who you are, that you are faithful, you are steadfast, you are ancient and you have proven yourself generation after generation. And so God, we take hold and we stand in your truth. Your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Thanks, guys. Um, I really, I, I genuinely, we're not mucking around here. This is church. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he's got, he's got everything that we need for love and good works in this place this morning. Final, final thing. Psalm 92 is the psalm of the Sabbath. And so you're, you're literally, this is the day where you pause and you celebrate the completion of creation. We get to rest with God in the light of the work that he has done. And it says, she says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by the work that the works of your hands I sing for joy. But it might feel a bit weird to kind of take this psalm for us. Sometimes you read the psalm, like, I, I, I'll take the verses that I like, and then some of the verses are a bit awkward because it's about killing people. Have you noticed that? It's a bit awkward. But I, what I want to say is this. Even though it might feel a bit weird, don't forget that our enemies are not flesh and blood. That our enemies are the principalities and powers. And our enemies are the mindsets and the things that hold us back, that squish us down, that put a ceiling on our lives. And, and, and God has got us a place for us where we can... Can, can you imagine sitting in this place, being able to imagine your guilt and your shame perishing? To imagine your poor thinking, poor decision making, fear and anxiety being scattered. Because for us today, as, as post Jesus Christ and the work done on the cross, we get to celebrate with him and with God of the completion of redemption. Not just the completion of creation. We get to rest with him in the light of the work that he has done right now. Your eyes can see the downfall of the sin in your life. Today, your ears can hear the doom of death. For now, it has no hold and it has no sting. Isn't that cool? So what do you want your song to be? Hmm? Are you tired of the soundtrack of your life being in the minor key? Defined by lack or fear or broken relationships? Now is the time to listen to his song. His old song of salvation. He loves you. He died for you. He has a purpose for you. He calls you his child. Now is the time to respond in and through the pain with full candor. Every part of you knowing that he is faithful. He is steadfast. He is ancient. His love has stood the test of time. And he will not let you down. So do you know what? Today we get to sing his song. We get to become a light, a beacon of hope to a hopeless world. And we get to stand together and be the symphony of God's salvation in the world. Singers of a sweeter song, planted in the house of the Lord, flourishing with longevity, declaring like the singers of old, whether creation or redemption, that he always finishes what he starts. He always brings harmony to every discord. He always resolves every conflict. We're going to sing in, just to finish up, if that's right. Are we okay? And I want to encourage you. You might not feel this, but you know what? If you don't feel it, it doesn't make it fake. It makes it faith. And so as we stand, we're going to sing and we're going to make that decision to choose him, to choose his song, to choose his truth. Um, and just before we stand...
Is there anyone here this morning that feels like, do you know what, I've, I'm tired of singing the old song, that for me the old song has just been so loud and I need hope. I need to know that I'm forgiven. I need to know that I'm loved. I need to know that there's, there's, there's a way for me and you, and you want to meet Jesus for the first time this morning. I, just wanted, I don't know if there's anyone here that's relevant for, but if that's you, I want to give you the chance now. And if, if, you, if you want to sing a sweeter song over your life, if you want to connect with the God that loves you and that has saved you and that will remain faithful to you always, regardless of how other people have treated you, he will remain faithful and will remain compassionate, will remain loving. If that's you, just pop your hand in the air. If you want to sing that sweeter song, if you want to be part of that sweeter truth, Okay. And then if you, you know that you've been singing that song but you've forgotten the melody, <laughs> that's why I find myself a lot. As we sing this song, why don't you begin to stand as a sign to say, I'm going to step into this truth. And I want, I, want you to, I want you to pause. I want you to really think about this. I want you to really pray about this. And as we sing this song, if that's okay to do it like that, as we start to worship... As you're like, yeah, God, I want to align myself with you and step up and step into that truth and step up and step into that reality. Is that okay? Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.